Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Two Guys Talking Shit. I am one of your hosts, Wesley Anthony Clerget. And I'm your other host, Jim, the old white guy. Hey everybody, we got a really great show for you today. It's going to be a lot of fun. You just kind of let that lie there, didn't you, Wesley? You oh were like, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. Not yeah. Even, I'm not even going to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let Absolutely. that go. <laughs> How are you, man? How I'm, are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's I'm tired, but I'm doing well. Yeah, well, it's been about a month, right? It's been about a month. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think it has. Yes. I think it has because I went on vacation. Uh, we were going to record, and then I was getting all ready for vacation. So didn't Absolutely. have a chance to record. So yeah. So why are you tired, dude? What's going on? Honestly, oh, man, I just realized I'm working way too much. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's I granted they're all like really great things and I'm I'm excited about all of them. Yeah. But when I actually like counted things out, I'm working like four different jobs all oh, at the dude. same time. Dude, and dude, I'm dude. like, why am I so tired? And then I started like counting it out and doing my taxes and everything. And I'm like, oh, this makes way more sense. That would do it. Four jobs. Yeah. That would do it. Well, and I mean you've got I, you know, your, your graduate degree alone is yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, and that's on top of everything else that you're doing. Yeah. New shows coming up. Uh, Ooh, new, shows. School, new shows. New shows. Can you talk about the yeah. new shows? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about it. Um, Let's talk about so that. That sounds exciting. I'll be uh, understudying at Court Theater um, in Hyde Park, actually, in Ooh. Chicago, Illinois. Nice theater. Um, We'll be doing gospel at Colonus. Um, honestly, I don't know the it. cast. I didn't know it either, but imagine like any Greek mythology, but with a gospel choir. Oh, awesome! That's the show. Awesome. It's gonna be fire. Awesome! I love that. So yeah. now, are you? So you're an understudy. Are you an uh, an in cast understudy or out? Are you in, in cast? The, you're in cast. Okay. So and for people that don't know what I'm talking for people that don't know what we're talking about, it um, there are two two kinds of understudies. Uh, one of them is what what Wesley's doing, which he is actually in the show, and then understudying one of the leads for the show. And the other one is um, when you're not actually in the show, you're just understudying a part. So I did that. I have under I have been the out of the cast you know, the outside understudy before. Um, and I've also been the, the, I mean, I was the inside understudy for, uh, for ragtime. So. And I'll say this, I think both are incredibly important and really necessary. I've done out understudy as well. Um, and I had the chance to go on for both tracks that I was understudying. Nice. Actually. nice. And, um, I did. Not. It's really important. It, it's, it's really important. Oh. And I think it needs to be, highlighted more not only in our in the industry but also generally you know sometimes like people are like oh well eight shows a week is a lot it's like yeah buddy yeah, it's a lot it of work it's a lot of work and you know i think um understudies are finally getting their due understudies and swings are finally yeah getting their due. so if you don't know what a swing is um real quick a swing is a person in the cast that can do multiple what they call tracks um, multiple roles. Usually it's um, 
it's all it's almost always course if it's a swing it's almost always course rules right if you're yeah, a swing at least one um, course rule yeah. yeah and so you do you can do multiple what they call tracks because each role each role is considered a track uh that like a track that you'd follow uh and so you learn multiple tracks and at any moment you could have to change tracks because somebody gets hurt, somebody gets sick. Um, you know, 10 minutes before the show, you could be planning to do one track and then switch and have to do another one. Or I have seen people, I have actually seen people do two or three tracks in one show where they ha- where the tracks were minor characters and there were so many people out that they had to cover multiple where roles. where did you see that that sounds yeah, awful that. as an actor <laughs> yeah i saw i saw it in wicked actually really yeah yeah it's crazy wow it's crazy and it, and i mean they're not doing major roles right they're not doing you know it's not it's not glinda right, right it's right, just some right. of the it's just some of the minor things some of the minor you know crowd scenes uh but it's it's definitely interesting and they are important and i think the pandemic really brought that forward of how important they are because um when broadway came back those shows would not have run no if it were not for have. the swings and understudies they literally would would have shut down right absolutely um, yeah i one one that pops into my head um that was kind of public was uh that sutton foster in the music man got sick got covid and got sick and called out that day and the show had just opened i mean it had literally just opened so the understudy didn't get any rehearsals and she had to go on and play the role wow yeah and hugh uh hugh jackman like at the curtain call you can look it up on youtube because um uh hugh jackman at the curtain call was just all about her the whole cast was all about her Uh, i think i remember seeing something like that you know um yeah and that's one of the things I think is real that goes unnoticed is that a lot of the times understudies or swings sometimes don't get any rehearsal time to like do it in the actual, you know, with, with the run of the, the cast or anything along those lines. Um, and sometimes it's like, hey, they're spending hours practicing at home, choreography, lines, and making sure that everything is as seamless as possible. Now, I think it's important to yeah. note that like all swings and understudies don't perform exactly the same way as the, the as the other individual does. They oh no, not at all. It. Right? That's that's the art of it. Right? We're not robots. Right. Um, but it's also very strange because let's say you have uh, lifts or like certain dance moves that you know. <laughs> Only certain characters do. We're talking about like injury and actual oh. harm that can befall people. You know, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I would almost think that if you hadn't had a chance to rehearse, you would have to. And there's usually a lift call, but if you've only done that lift once or twice with somebody, I would think you almost wouldn't do it. Yeah. You'd almost have to just not do it. Could you Either have that you, or modify it? Yeah, yeah. Have you so so the so I'm I'm assuming that most people are not actors listening to this podcast. Um. And what you need to know is that we're talking like understudies and swings never get to rehearse. That is not true, but they don't get to rehearse until after the show opens. So Correct. all of the 
all of the rehearsals and the pre-show and if there are previews um, on Broadway, like on Broadway, there could be months of previews. Um, that is all principal people doing those rehearsals. Um, and the understudies and swings are just literally sitting and watching and taking massive amounts of notes, right? Where are they entrance? Where are they exit? What are they doing during the scene? What's the what's the pattern? You know, all that stuff. And uh, so they don't get to rehearse until after the show opens. And then they have special rehearsals once a week to put them into the show. So, yes. And I think it's also important to note that just because you're in there watching all the rehearsals and <laughs> watching them is very different from doing them. Oh. And then on top of that, don't let Tech Week throw a wrench into all your notes that you've actually done or choreography that you've already learned because there's so many technical issues that go into theater that can literally change entrances, can change choreography, can change everything that you're actually yep. doing. And yep. then all of those notes that you took for, let's say, three months are useless. Out the window. Yeah, I... I um, yeah, my I fortunately didn't have to deal with that, but I have seen and know people that were like understudying and then they got on the set and everything changed. Yeah, and it's common. It's very it's normal. very common. It's very common. Yeah, I, I don't know how um, I, I'm, I'm always impressed when an understudy goes on and you don't even know it. I mean, they have to announce it, but I, it's always yeah. so impressive when it's just seamless when it just goes you never know like yeah it's you you can never tell and i think that's how you know when a cast is operating like at the highest level possible you could throw people in and they don't miss a beat granted yeah. like we're they're professional you know what i mean that's but right like, well and you really rely on the cast to help you through it like as an understudy you are counting on that cast to push you in the right direction <laughs> Literally, 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 <laughs> you're like, hey, you're supposed to be on stage left. Like you're on you're in the wrong place. <laughs> la, 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 push. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. I um, I I had a friend that uh, went on and had not rehearsed the role and went on off on the wrong side and had a costume change that was supposed to be on the other side and had to figure out how to get to the other side of the stage because there was no real backstage crossover, right? There was no, there, there are smaller oh, theaters. Boy. There is no, there may not be a crossover, right? The smaller yeah, theaters yeah, may yeah. just be stuck. So they had to figure out how to get from one side to the other to do the costume change. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I, when they told me the story, I was just like, I would have prayed, I would have given any amount of money to be in that to be in that audience watching that <laughs> happening. Any amount of money, because that I have said this before on this show, that's real. That's yeah. when, that's when the theater becomes real, and I yeah. love those moments. I love being in them. They're scary as all get out, but you immediately become present and it becomes real and if the yeah. audience is and if the audience is paying attention they'll know this they'll notice if they're really it's paying very attention. hard it's hard to notice though it is hard like, to notice it's really difficult yeah like, it is. i'm sure we as, as as having done it you know professionally and things along those lines i think it'll be easier for us to tell we'll be like 
something happened here. We don't know what it is exactly, but something is going on something that was just took not place. supposed to happen. That's right. That's right. I always remind I always remind myself that the audience doesn't have the script. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And um, I did a show called a, a River Runs Through It, and um, the director was Steve Calzaretta, who I l- love immensely. He's out in California now, um, but he taught me that. And I always knew that. I mean, right? You know instinctively as an actor. I mean, they don't have this. They don't have the script. They don't know what you're supposed to say. But this right, was exactly. this was such a wordy play, and there were only three characters. Well, there's a fourth one, but very minor. Uh-huh. And it was me and this other guy on stage almost the whole show. And I mean, it was when I say Wesley, it was wordy. Yeah, it was wordy. And um, I remember because there were just times that we just had to know where we were supposed to end up because we got so mm-hmm. far off track yeah. and not on purpose. Right. It's just that somebody went to that white room for a moment. Yeah. And. Yeah and lost their place and then you're trying to help them get back and all you can do is try to guide it back so that you're on the right path again that was a that was a fun time that was the most Uh, exciting show i've ever done because of that very reason those kinds of shows stress me out (laughs) (laughs) stress me out it was the most stressful it was the most stressful show i've ever done ever ever oh my god by far but i love i have to tell you i loved every minute and it taught me Excuse me. It taught me so much. So, well, so yeah, especially. Well, so, congratulations on Court Theater. That's yeah, awesome. Thank you. That is a thank great you. theater, um, and not easy. Yeah. Not easy to get into. Um, no, so, I was really lucky, honestly. Um, that's awesome. You're not lucky. Yes. You're talented. You're so talented, Wesley. Don't, don't, don't underplay yourself. Come on. Come on, well, you are more than good enough to be in that theater. Well, the thing that I remind myself, I, I think the reason I say I'm lucky is that there are people in the world who don't have the opportunity or the ability to do Truth. what I do as a job. Yeah. Like it's Truth. my job. And it's very different, I think, sometimes where it's like a bricklayer may want to sing he may want to be in musicals or something along those lines or he may want to act or become just an artist in general and the availability and opportunity to do that is just not possible to him right you know that's very true that's very true and and in that sense blessed right in that sense yeah blessed um but very uh, so very just thankful for the opportunity yeah Um, absolutely to do Absolutely. it and also like it puts me closer to to just doing my goal you know right that's exactly well that's why i'm congratulating you yeah because that is a, that is a theater that gets you much closer to your goal yeah buddy i mean I'm really super it is excited. I'm it really super is super excited i mean so. you've worked at some great theaters but but you've 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 jumped you've jumped a notch i yeah i i i feel like now it's like oh there are people I some I was working with my vocal coach and uh he told me he was like, Yeah, people are starting to talk about you in rooms where you're not in. And I'm like, What do you mean by that? He's like, Don't worry, you're you'll when it's time for you to find out, like you'll find out. And I was like, Okay, well, I'm just gonna be here doing all the work that I can. So Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, buckle up because if we're along for this ride, it's gonna be a fun one. Oh, it's gonna it's, be a great time. It's gonna be a fun one. 
I do have something to talk about that I did want to tell you, but it's also again start sort of in the theater realm. All but, right. Um, eight track. Uh, yeah. There, this this uh, past two was two weeks ago. Now we went to the Non Equity Jeff Awards, which is like theater prom. Right. right. Yes, it is. It is theater prom. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, which was really cool. It was fun. I had a really good time. But the show A Track was nominated for a couple of different awards. I think it was three or four. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. Um, but uh, we won for best ensemble, which was really cool, and it was really that's awesome, awesome. To kind of celebrate that. Yeah, evening that's awesome. with my castmates and all that. Congratulations! That's really awesome. It was that's really a big cool, award. Man. That's a that's an important award. Hey, we threw a party, man. That was a good I time. I bet you did. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. I'm so I'm so happy for you. That's great. Yeah, that's we were great. really, and those the cast, the whole cast was literally only eight people. So right. like, it was awesome to be like, wait, there's only eight of us, and like, it's like, okay, cool. There were some really like great shows out there, but I was like, there's eight of us. Yeah, like, how yeah. did we? You obviously How did something right. Bring yeah, so that was that, really cool. And that's really an ensemble show anyway, right? There's no like it's it's not really like there's a lead. I mean there is, but it's not, not. really. Yeah, it's more yeah, of an ensemble show. Very much ensemble based. And on top of that, it's like there's like lead singers, but it's it's very much a loosely based story. Like right. it's mostly it's kind of like a jukebox musical, really. Yeah, like totally. That's the best way to describe it. Totally. Yeah. No, that is what it is. Yeah. It's a really good jukebox musical. <laughs> a really fun one. I learned so much about the 70s. And honestly, what a time to be alive, man. <laughs> what a time. There was so much going on in the world. But everyone was like, don't worry about it, man. Like, it's cool. <laughs> like, not everybody was like that. But yes, a well, lot of people were like that. Yes. Definitely not everybody. However, yeah. and there was there was plenty of stuff going on out in the world that was like terrible like there was a scene where i had to get like drafted for the vietnam war and like Mm -hmm. listen to my character get drafted and things along those lines Mm -hmm. and there were definitely dark moments for sure but um that's one thing that i i think is really important as actors is to remember these are characters you're playing Right. It's not you individually. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, Wesley, have never been to war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's very true. Um, and that's all part of it, right? That's all part of the art yeah. of it. Um, you know, and some actors uh, get too far into it, right? I mean, you can go too far. Um, but, you know, then you end up like Daniel Day-Lewis with, what, five Academy five four academy awards whatever everything he does he gets an academy award for right he's a great actor oh, honestly like he's top of the line i haven't seen is, anything in him that he's done where i'm like it's bad i i love it all it's all great he's and he's unrecognizable in every single role exactly like, he is a he is a chameleon and and what i mean by the method for those of you that don't know is he lives that character literally lives as that character during the filming of the movie he um when they say cut, he doesn't leave the character. He stays in that character. He wants people to call him by that name. He is going to live as that human being. Um, and so it's a little little crazy, a little crazy. But it works. I mean, but it works it, for him. It, it does. It, yes, it does work because there are also other method actors who have lost their life. You know what I mean? It's That's a exactly very right. difficult approach. Um, it is. And, 
And I think people realize how difficult acting is when you put a camera in their face and you tell them, hey, I'm going to be three feet from you and I need you to actually be real. Like, don't fake it and like be a real person and experience real emotion. Because if you don't, incredibly difficult task. It is really hard. And it is much as a stage. So I'm a stage actor. I've done some film, but very little. It's very hard as a stage actor when you first start doing film to back off. Yeah. 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 Because we are taught on the stage, you're playing to the last row in the balcony. Correct. Right. And so it's very hard to all of a sudden be natural and let the acting, like, you know, be a nat- just natural. Uh, it's very difficult. That's why I always hear that for TV shows, they cast people that are the character, right? They yeah. they cast people that, like in sitcoms especially, th- those people aren't really acting very much because – and I'm not taking away from their ability. I don't want anybody to think that I'm taking away from their ability because I am certainly not. But they they are purposely cast because they they are that role. Right. They yeah. are as close to that role as anybody can get. And so then it be, it's more believable. You're you're going to buy into it more. Um, so, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, it's. TV like on camera work is really hard, like go. I'm kind of in this stage where I'm trying to do both. And when you do like a self tape or something, a self tape for those of you who don't know is a recording that you have to do to yourself to send off to a casting director who will potentially put you in some production or show. It's exactly what you think it is that you set up your phone and you self tape. It's exactly what That's you think. That's literally it. Is. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. It's, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Uh, there are some really bad self tapes out there on the internet. They are hilarious to watch. I recommend you go YouTube them. Yeah. They yeah. are a joy. However, don't make fun of those people because I remember watching my very first self-tape and it's terrible. Like yeah. I would I'm going to definitely react to my very first self-tape and be like, oh boy, this oh, yeah. was a terrible <laughs> idea. What was I thinking? Oh my god. It's true. It That's very true. Um, yeah, so self-tape is hard. And and I I'll be honest with you, the little bit of film work that I have done, I personally loved doing it because for me, and then, you know, we'll talk about this for a couple more minutes, then we probably should change the topic because I don't know that anybody really wants, unless you're an actor, anybody really cares. That's true. That's absolutely true. You're right. But for me, one, the one thing I love about theater is I love the creative process of rehearsal, right? I love the, I love the rehearsal and and I know that sounds really wacky. That sounds – if you're listening to this, you're probably like, what? Don't you love being on stage and performing in front of people? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. But my, but the most joy for me comes from the discovery and the creativity of the rehearsal room, right? Because once you, and once you get to a certain point, they're like, okay, freeze it. Right. We're not going any further with this. And that doesn't mean you can't still discover and can't still grow and can't do all of those things. But most of the discovery is done. Right. Most of that creative process is done. And so um, I love that. And I found that in film, because you do multiple takes, it's like that creative process. It's Mm, it's just every time you do it, you discover something else or you, you know, you discover something more 
to add or take away or to change. And the director gives you little little hints, little clues of what they want, um, if they're good. Um, you know, and I I loved it. I loved it for that reason because I felt like and then they then they're like, okay, cut. And I was like, oh, that was so good. Right. That felt so good. Right. And I love yeah. those moments of I love those moments of that's it. That's it. Yeah, when you it's like having a student get something for the first time. It's and you're like, like, yeah, that's that's it. That's absolutely ab- it. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly or, what it's like. Or even like, you know, you practice a skill for so long and you're like, man, I can't get it. And then the the first time you land it, you're like, I mm. got it. That mm. immense feeling of like yeah. pride and euphoria oh, so that good. comes over you. So good. It's so good. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. It's so good. So but well, that's about that's inside ex- our actors. Yeah, exactly. Edition. Inside inside <laughs> the actors edition, right? Um, inside the actor studio, um, we just need James here to ask us questions. Rest in peace. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> another reference. God, we're terrible. Um, <laughs> so, so what else is happening? We, you've got a great, you, you've got a great gig coming up, which I love. I'm so happy for you with that. And you got yeah. an award for a show that you did. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. A lot been a of good, good things, been a, man. Yeah. Been a good few weeks, dude. That's a, that's a yeah. good, those are good weeks. And, um, so one final thing is coming this summer, uh, I'll actually be going to Italy as well. Oh, really? So yeah, we're going to be doing some new work out there in Italy. Um, I don't know if I can release details as of yet. I know I can say where I'm going, but I don't know if I can actually talk about like production details and yeah, things yeah, yeah, along yeah. those is lines. It, is it musical theater? Is it opera? Is it can you at least give that much? No, it's okay I you actually can't. can't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for telling us nothing. I appreciate Absolutely. No, it's it's all good. We'll just be excited to hear about it. We'll just be we'll be thrilled to hear about it. Well I and I just got back from Italy. So my yeah, daughter over spring break, we um spent a week in Rome. Uh, and we went to Pompeii for a day and we went to a little place called Sperlanga for a day, which is a coastal town. Um, I got to tell you, Rome, it was Italy. I'm in love. I'm in love. Uh, and we were only in Rome, really. Um, I can't imagine all the other beautiful places that we're going to eventually visit. Uh, it was just it was just amazing. Every in Rome, everywhere you turn. Is history. Yeah. Everywhere is, you look. Everywhere you look is history. We I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. There was this big modern we were walking down the street and there was this big modern building and then we got up close and there was like a cutout and it was a UNESCO site of the first oh. time I I and I forget I took a picture of the sign. I forget what it was the first of. But I was like, oh, my God. And like this huge modern building had been built on top of it, and they built around it. It was crazy. It was crazy. And there was a woman – there was a German tour guy that had a big tour group, big tour group, that as they were passing by, she kept saying the same thing over and over in German about it. The same thing. I don't know what she said, but it was like (laughs) she just was on repeat. I felt so bad for her. Nobody was listening. Oh, my God. I terrible. do feel bad for tour guides because sometimes you're like, I know no one's paying attention, yeah. but this is part of the gig. <laughs> yeah, and we did lots of tours. We did lots of tours, and and our guides were really good. We had really good guides, but 
it is it was it's beautiful um it is exactly what you think it is like all the little roads and all the cobblestone streets and um all the little shops the little cafes tiny little cafes i mean literally holes in the wall right with maybe two tables right i, I mean it was just it was just spectacular and um we did all the touristy things all of them so we went to the coliseum um and the forum um and i have to tell you i will tell you straight up it do, i don't care how many pictures you have seen you have no idea they don't do they don't even scratch the surface of justice they don't they they really don't it was when we when we got inside first of all when we saw the coliseum it's so much bigger than you think it is because what you always see and i didn't know this is about two stories up because there's a road that drives by it that's up high and yeah. that's where they always record. It's like the it's the one thing you see all the time. They're always passing it on their little, you know, Vespas or or whatever. Uh-huh. It is the size is it's just enormous. And then when you get inside, you realize just how big it is. Like it is enormous. We had no I had no concept of how big it was going to be because pictures you can't you can't tell. Yeah. Picture. You can't tell. It is enormous. It is so big. So you know that they had underneath the floor, they had like 80 elevators, 80 elevators that would raise, you know, animals and fighters and all this stuff up. 80, Wesley. And we're talking like BC. You know what I mean? Right. This is incredible architecture for the time. It's amazing. It was unbelievable. But just that sheer number in the floor. Underneath the Coliseum floor has got to tell you how big that place is. It's it's mammoth. It's mammoth. Right. Uh, and then and then we did the forum, and I didn't realize that the forum was as big as it was. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. So we did all of that in one morning, and Palatine Hill, which is where all the palaces were, and and all where all the emperors lived and stuff, and which is right next to the forum. Um, I I'll be honest with you, Wesley. About halfway through the forum, I just shut down. It was so much information and so much just information. Yeah. I was on I was on overload. I was absolutely one hundred percent on overload and just I just you know, I was taking pictures, but I I I'm telling you, I was exhausted after. Exhausted. I can completely understand that. So it was last time I went to Italy, it was twenty eleven, two thousand eleven. 2010, 2011, um, and I had the exact same experience that I, when I went to Rome. It is magnificent. Oh, like it is so magnificent. Yeah. If I were to move from America and live in a European country, culturally, uh, socioeconomically, and I, I would definitely choose Italy. And I've traveled a bunch of places, but like if I lived in Europe, it'd either be Germany or Italy, and honestly, probably Italy. Yeah. It's, history and its beauty it's gorgeous it's it's incredible the i think the the reason 
Italians are the way they are is because their culture and live and lifestyle has been around literally since the dawn of time. Right. It's true. It's very true. I found it. I, I, I loved the Italian people. I have to tell you, I loved them. They were so kind and generous. Um, and we were not the typical American tourist. I mean, we were making an effort, right? We were making an effort to speak Italian and to try to communicate with them without being like, why don't you know English? Right. We were really trying and they, and it was obvious that they truly appreciated that. Um, just as I appreciate when somebody's trying to speak English that doesn't speak English, I'm like, I'm like, let's, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but they were so kind all the time. Like I, yeah. they were so kind, Wesley, that our cab, we took a cab like three or four times um, because we were just tired, honestly. It's a very walkable city, but we were like, you walk everywhere. We're exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, to the point where our cabbies, every single time almost forgot to ask us to pay. Like I had to remind them every time. Because I think they love showing people who aren't Italian, who aren't there, who don't live there. They're like, no, 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 this is our city. This is who we are. They're, they're very, very hospitable proud. people. Yeah, they're and they're very, very proud. Very proud. Yep, and very proud. it's a proud. beautiful thing to see. I, I think um, – yeah. I wish more people like were like that, especially in, in the States because oh. – do you can you imagine how life would be different if you had people like just everyone when you go to Italy it's like your family completely complete that's, that is that's that how is they the treat honest you. to goodness truth that is the honest to goodness truth and don't get me wrong we were in some touristy places where the people that were working there were just tired i get it when of you're course, working with tourists life. all the time it's hard right but we also went to a lot of offbeat places especially especially to eat my wife was really good at finding good restaurants that were that locals ate at right it wasn't the tourists eating at um that's nice yeah it was great and literally every time you went into a restaurant like that it was like you were in their home it was like they yeah. were welcoming you home it it was it was stunning and the food Oh my God. Food is the food is so good. I um just the simple dish of cheese and pepper pasta. Oh yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all you have to say. That's all you have I to know. say. If it's good, I mean it is magic. It is it's like mouth watering good. Oh like, my god. It is magic. It is magic. So my friend Mandy Corral is um is Italian, very Italian, and her family is very Italian. Love I and I love Mandy dearly. And she said growing up because she grew up here in the states, growing up she always wanted craft mac and cheese, right? She always wanted it out of the box, you know, because that's what everybody was eating and that's what she saw on TV and so that's what she right. wanted as a kid. And her dad would go, "No. You are having you're having cheese and pepper and cheese on pasta this is the real macaroni and cheese this is the real stuff <laughs> yeah oh my it is gosh. and that's what it is it is it is so it's so good that we went the best one that we had we went back to that restaurant that's incredible that's, that's how good it was yeah i the first time i think i ever experienced like where my mouth actually salivated from food oh. was in italy because it wasn't it wasn't the first bite it was the smell 
Yep. It was the smell of the food because it permeates the entire room. And you're yes. like, is this what food is like? Yeah. And the other thing that I found really interesting is how simple the dishes that they serve are. They're not doing anything fancy, right? No. They are – it's very simple. We went to um, – we spent a day in Pompeii, and then we went into Pompeii. If you don't know, there actually is a city of Pompeii now um, that has been built uh, outside of the ruins. Um, really? Oh, yeah. I think I knew that. Yes, and, and it started in the 1920s, I want to say, because es- excavators – uh, needed a place to stay, right? The ar- the archaeologists needed a place to stay, and a church was built. Mm, and okay. so then, of course, things started building around the church. Um, so it was really the church that created the the current city of Pompeii, and it's a very modern city. I mean, think about that. It didn't come around until 1922. For Italy, that's like – that's baby. That is a baby yeah. city, right? I mean, that yeah. is still an, that is still an infant. And – um. We went to a a great um, winery while we were there, and had amazing wines. Uh, their sparkling prosecco that they served was absolutely the single best thing prosecco sparkling wine I have ever had ever. It was refreshing and tasty and sparkly, and it was so good. But they served a really so we sat down and we did a wine tasting, but we also had lunch. And the okay. lunch was really simple. It was just pasta, homemade. It was obviously homemade pasta mm-hmm. and red sauce. Yeah, but the and homemade sauce it. hits different. It's crazy different. It was so it's, good. It's nothing you're going to get, honestly, in this country. You'll no. never unless be able have, to like, get unless it. Unless you have an Italian mama or a grandma that makes it, right? True. It was. Yeah. I mean, it, it was not overly spicy at all. It was truly just a tomato sauce, and it was magnificent because in the simplicity, the flavors that you got out of it were just, just amazing. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, so let me let me ask you a question actually about this. So you went to Rome and you spent a lot of time there, but what yes. do you feel like was one of the biggest differences between being in Rome and then going to the coastal city? Like, how did you feel like the lifestyle? What was the culture like comparatively to to those two? Okay, well, first of all, everybody needs to know that Italy – in the United States, we are go, 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 go. Italy is not, right? Italy is is much more laid back. Now, they're not as laid back. If you've been to Hawaii, they're not as laid back as Hawaii. <laughs> true, true. Nobody true, is as laid true. back as Hawaii. But um, it is a laid back country, right? They just are not in a hurry. They're just not. Uh, and it's okay, right? It didn't bother me at all. Um, and when we got to Spurlanga, now it was not a, um, it's obviously was not summer, right? And it's obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a tourist city, obviously it's right right on the coast of the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. Um, the, the, the village itself where people live is up on the mountain, up on the side, right? And then down along the beach is the tourist stuff Mm -hmm. uh, where the hotels are and the, you know, the tourist restaurants and stuff. Um, and so you have to take into account that nobody was there. So here you have a resort town in Italy off season. You're running that town. Yeah, totally. And 
it was as slow and laid back as could possibly be. Drove my daughter insane. Drove her nuts. <laughs> she, I thought she was going to crawl out of her skin. Um, and it was so lovely. I, I have to tell you, I would love to go back on a sunny day in the Mediterranean because the beach was gorgeous, just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the, to have the kind the village, you know, the main part of the village up on the up on the mountain, um, up on the cliff. Uh, it looked exactly like you would think it would look all very close together and up on that cliff. It, very cool. Um, I just wish that we had been able to be there when it was more alive, right? Because it was just uh, okay. very quiet um, and – but just laid back. I mean there wasn't a single person that was in any hurry in that place at all. They were just like uh, – well, Yeah, I feel life is So just... cool. Yeah, everyone's just like, uh, you know what? It's like, yeah. There's a there's a a life that exists in Italian culture that I don't know if we have. We probably have a word for it here, but um, they are passionate about everything. Everything. Like, that is it true. could be anything, but they are passionate about it. One. Hundred percent. They are a passionate people. It is true. That is a true statement. I loved. So um, we did a, a catacombs tour. Uh, the Capuchin monks, where if you don't know that they have, um, uh, they have rooms that have been decorated with the bones of past monks, over four thousand monks. Um, and then we did the catacombs, and then we did uh, the aqueduct. We went to an aqueduct. It was all in one tour. And as we were coming back, they were talking about something that they call the wedding cake. Um, and for Italians that really don't like it, they call it the typewriter. It's a big, big monument building, right? I forget what it's all for. And I, we didn't go visit it, actually. We just drove past it many times. Um, and uh, one of the things they don't like is that they didn't use Italian marble for it. So you have to know <laughs> – they are so patriotic and so proud of their culture and their home. So to have this big building, this big white monument building that was not done with Italian marble, they shipped the marble in. <laughs> Wesley's Wesley's laughing. He's almost on the floor. He knows what's coming here. So they hate it. They absolutely hate it. But they said she said, we hate it, but if anybody wanted to lay a finger on that monument, <laughs> the whole town would come out. The whole city of Rome would come out to defend it and protect it and chain themselves to it. Oh my god! Which I yeah. think explains. I think it explains. <laughs> I think it explains the people of Rome and Italy so perfectly, right? Yeah, it's so absolutely. Perfect. I was like, that yeah. is the perfect example of of who these people are. They're so proud. Yeah. Um, we went to we we took a tour of um the Vatican, and we did Beautiful. the Vatican. Oh my we, god! We did the Vatican. Have you done the Vatican? Did you do the yeah. Vatican Museum? So we did the Vatican Museum, and we did an early entry. We got an early entry tour. Um, so we were in there way before anybody nice. else. Um, and I am a student of art history. Um, I was fortunate enough to teach a class for four years with a brilliant teacher. 
uh, it was a humanities class that had four teachers, uh, an art teacher, music teacher, uh, literature, and history, because humanities is the study of history through the arts is what it is for right. just to, I know most people probably know no, that. No, no, no. You're uh, most people. Actually, I don't know if many people do. Humanities yeah. is not a course that's taught a lot anymore. Yeah. So this was an a. This was kind of like an AP course. It wasn't an AP course, but it was it was an AP course if that makes sense. Um, right. And uh, she was so brilliant at what she did, and her ability to teach and make you understand art and and the history of it and what it was representing and why they did what they did. And there, and obviously, there's a huge section on the Renaissance, right? Huge, because yeah. that was a huge time in the arts um, and in the history of the world. And so we t- talked, you know, we studied Michelangelo, we studied the Sistine Chapel, we studied Raphael, we studied um, all of that stuff. So first of all, to go into a room that the frescoes on the walls were painted by Raphael. It's incredible. It is, yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy to think that that's who they were painted by. And she said, you know, uh, Raphael was getting old when he did them. And so a lot of the stuff his students painted, and you could see the difference. Like, yeah. Like, and it wasn't like a subtle difference, it was a stark difference between what Raphael had painted and what some of his students had painted because they they were so not even in the they weren't even in the ball game they weren't even in the game right no um and so it uh so but so just beautiful just beautiful stuff and then to go into the sistine chapel we've all seen the paintings from the sistine chapel hundreds of times i mean how many times have you seen that creation with god reaching out to the hand of man right yeah. it's the creation of man is what it is right supposed to represent um to be in that room looking at them. Um, so this is – the Sistine Chapel is the room that Michelangelo – it's myth. It's a myth. It's not true. Laid on his back to paint the ceiling. He actually did not. He was actually standing up to paint it, which is three million times harder, I have to tell you. I agree. Because um, it's a, it's high. Yeah. So he had it's to build – It's higher to, than you think. He had, to, he had to create the structures to be able to, to do it. Um, he had literally had to invent the structures to be able to do it. Um, and at one point, so he did the first three panels. I love this story. Such a great story. He did the first three panels, and then he said, I need to look at these from the floor. I need to get on the floor, on the ground, and look at these. And he looked at them, and he was like, oh, my God. The people are so small. Like, you can't tell what's going on because the people are so small. So then you see in the next panel his adjustment. Right? Yeah. You see the because it's a huge size difference in the people, right? And yeah. it's not as detailed. But to be in that room was almost it, it was surreal to me. I agree. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it, it is a surreal experience. And um quite emotional for me actually i believe that yeah it really was and um i think a lot of people probably don't feel that way they know what they're looking at but they don't feel that way but having studied it all those years it really was just just spectacular just unreal and you can't take so do you know why you can't take pictures 
you can't take pictures of the Sistine Chapel. I can't this remember is, why. I feel like they told funny. us because I remember sure specifically did. wanting to take pictures and they were like, absolutely not. No, nope, yeah. absolutely can't. We could take pictures in the Raphael room and all, you, we take all sorts of pictures. Yeah, but not in the not, chapel. Yeah, not in the Sistine Chapel. It's because a, a Japanese corporation paid for the restoration of the Sistine Chapel. And now they own the rights to all of those paintings. Really? And, yes. And so you can't take a picture because they still own the rights to those paintings. Isn't that fascinating? That's interesting. Very fascinating. Now, obviously, they would never let you take pictures with a flash ever. Um, you know, that's just bad for the paintings. Um, but yeah, I thought that was very fascinating. It has nothing to do with respect and, you know, all the all that stuff that everybody wants to say that it is. It is a right, legal right. it is a legal matter. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. And then we went to St. Peter's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And what were you going to say? I, I, I just want to say one thing really quickly. I like, yeah, you can Google all of these things, all of these things and like look them up. Yep. But being in the presence of them, it is very difficult to describe the feeling that overcomes you when you're in the presence and seeing all of these things for the very first time. Right. It's, it's like watching it, it I, I can only imagine it would be like watching Pavarotti at the Sydney Opera House. You're like, I'm in the presence of greatness, and you don't know if you're ever going to see it again. Ever. Ever. Like right. that's a possibility. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's this right. is something that is absolutely magnificent. And on top of that, what I think makes it even better is that greatness is always even personified more when it stands the test of time. We're talking yes. about things painted God, hundreds even, of years and, ago. Yeah. And it's still 15, 1600s. We're, we're still talking about it and still, and still studying. I mean, I'll never forget when I, I was in Rome and I remember being in, in St. Peter's Basilica and literally just looking around me. And seeing like all the statues on top of the Vatican. Yeah, all the, all the angels. Yeah, and all I'm the like, all the saints. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this those all, is impeccable. Yeah, those were all created by Bernini, um, which was a great artist of the time that got overshadowed because you have to remember Da Vinci was alive during this time. Yeah. Michelangelo was alive during this time. Raphael was alive during this time. They were all contemporaries. All the Ninja I, Turtles. They all knew. Yeah, they all knew each other. Yeah. Right? They were all contemporaries. So, um, you know, it's it's very hard sometimes to, to wrap your brain around that. They talked about how Raphael snuck into the Sistine Chapel to see what Michelangelo was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he yeah, wanted yeah. to see what they what he was doing. I love that story, right? And then, and then he put him in, in a painting of his. He put him and – Da Vinci in a painting in one of those rooms, one of the papal yeah. rooms, right? So I didn't mean to interrupt, but you're but go ahead. You're making a great point. No, it's it's I I, I really want people if there's there are three places that I've been in the world that are my are the favorite places that I've ever been to travel, right? And Italy was the trip that truly made me fall in love with the idea of history. Yes. Like when I you look totally around in the entire country, history is literally all around. A lot of the like architecture that you see in Italy 
from back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. That's literally how they wanted to make uh, the the like uh, what there's there's an arch in New York in a park in like uh, I think it's Washington Park. Yep. And it's the mimicking arch. Yeah, they're yeah. mimicking architecture made in the 1600s. And it's like a respect thing. It's like, and oh, it's they were mimicking these things. And they were mimicking architecture by the Greeks and Romans. Exactly. So it even goes further back than that, right? Yeah, it's it's really spectacular. I um uh and and you brought up St. Peter's Basilica. Um it is the largest basilica in the world. It's the largest cathedral. It's actually not a cathedral. Um because it's not where the cardinal sits. Um, or the no. bishop sits. There's another cathedral in. That's a technical thing. Don't worry about it, people. If you don't know what the, what we're talking, if you're not Catholic and you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry about it. Uh, it's but, the biggest town square. Yeah, well, and it's the biggest. <laughs> and it's the biggest cathedral. It is the biggest basilica because we use that term now for churches um, in the world. And they have lines on the ground marking where other basilicas go to, just to prove their point. It's um, fire. It's and, the and biggest flex. <laughs> it's a t- oh, it is the biggest flex ever, ever. Right? It's hysterical. Actually, it made me laugh. It totally made me laugh because it's it is so Italian. It yeah. is so Italian, and um, and in the best way possible. I mean that in absolutely the most loving best way possible because they're so proud. Um, and it that room when you when you go in that room that space you don't realize how big it is because it's so tall right i was i was like why does it not feel like it's that big like westminster abbey when you walk into westminster abbey and i have not walked I, we act, we saw westminster abbey but we didn't actually go in but when you see video of it and you see people walking down the aisle and stuff you it looks so big it looks so long right it looks like it's forever and in in St. Peter's Basilica, it doesn't, even though it is hugely, it's huge. It's the biggest yeah. in the world. It's huge. And I think it's because of the, the, the skew of it's so tall and wide that you lose perspective yeah. of yeah. the length, right? Because everything in that place is massive. Yeah. Like the altar big. is yeah. massive and everything's big. So you lose perspective. And so the lines – the one thing the lines on the floor did for me was give me perspective of the size of where we were at. Yeah. And I – golly. Like I remember when I when I went there, um, I went there – it was during my spring break, and I remember I was there for Easter Sunday. And I remember oh. first off – wild experience but i'll never forget like what happened it was raining all day Mm. like all day and i was like i'm still going like it's gonna be a great time i don't care i I mean like that trip was what i lost my luggage i was there for a week and a half no luggage until i went back to the airport to fly back home i love it that's great that's great i was like i'm in italy i'm gonna have a good time whatever right right in the basilica, it's raining all day, Easter Sunday, right? Come, go, go there, hanging out. I'm looking at everything. I'm like a, I'm like a kid looking up to like, I don't know, Shaq. 
I'm like, wow, it's so big. Like, I can't believe it. And it really is just it, incredible in it, size. You can't, it, it's, you can't describe it. You can't, I, um, the, uh, the altar alone is so massive that I don't know how you describe it to somebody. It's it is like, so massive. It's like 40 feet. Oh, it's, 50, yeah. 50. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't remember. I, it was just, it was just absolutely massive. The, the, it was – I'm really glad that we – I think we questioned whether we really wanted to go or not because it was you know, the Vatican, and we are not Catholic. We were right. pretty far from Catholic, um, right. and um, so I think we questioned whether we wanted to go, but I wanted to go because I, I had to see the history. right? I had to see the art. I had to see the Pieta created by Michelangelo where, uh, where when it was put in, people thought that it was done by Bernini. And so he went back in and carved his name in the sash across the Virgin yeah. Mary to make sure that everybody knew that he did it. Right. But that piece is breathtaking. Yeah. It is. It is breathtaking. The detail, I'm getting chills thinking oh, about it. It's it, it so is, good. It is maybe, it is maybe, and I've seen a lot of sculpture in my life. It is probably the most magnificent piece I've ever seen. The detail in that piece is unrivaled. And the ability of him and all sculptures at that time to make marble look like rippled fabric. Right to make it look like it was fabric that had been just laid over, just flow, just flowing fabric, and the the striking thing about the Pieta is is that is magnificent. But when you look at it and you look at the bottoms and this thin piece of marble that was left that he had carved out underneath, also to make it look like it was real, right? Uh -huh. And the, I mean, it is, I mean, to look at Christ's feet in that is. And to see the veins in his feet, I, I, I mean, it was, it was oh, something golly. else. Yeah, it was just I'll, something else. And, and he's not the only one, right? I mean, Bernini. No, all of them good. are incredible. That's right. That's right. Um, like so, there, you can study these things for decades and still learn from them. Yeah, um, and and you have to see it. I I am a firm believer in that. Um, it's like if you're here in Chicago, so we are we're in Chicago. Obviously, we talk about Chicago a lot. Uh, it's like seeing um, Sunday on the Isle of La Grande Jet for the first time. It's yeah. like walking around the corner and seeing that amazing George Seurat pointillism painting and how vibrant it is and how alive it is. And then to go up close and see that it is literally made up of millions of small dots. Yeah. It's, you can't, even if you see a close-up picture, even if you see, you, it does not do it justice. You have to see it. You have to be in the room. You have to see it because a picture can't capture what it is. Right. I, I think, I think, so we've talked about it earlier a lot. I think one of the things that we should really point out is Seeing a picture of something is not the same as seeing something in real life. Okay. And I think what we're really both saying is that, like, go out and see the world. Go right. travel. Like, save up some money. And look, it may you may have to, like, save up a lot. But it is going to change your perspective. 
and your worldview and how you view yourself in the world. It's and that's true. a much, much bigger lesson than I think anything. Well, and all of a sudden, our your corner of the world becomes much smaller. Oh yeah. Don't I mean yeah, yeah, is, yeah. That, is that fair to say? Because I Absolutely. know I know when I went to Paris and spent a week in Paris, when I got back, I was living in Indianapolis, which is smaller, but I remember just all of a sudden being so aware of the size, the global size. Um, you know, all of a sudden the things that I thought were, you know, so important and so big and so all of a sudden were put right in perspective. Yeah. It was like, it was like amazing. And you can get that. You don't have to go out of the country to get that. No, you don't. You might, you might catch a Greyhound bus and spend a weekend in New York, New York city. Yeah. There are amazing games that you can get into for free in New York city and have that experience. Right. It, so we're not saying you have to fly to Europe by any means. Um, right. It's just, it's expanding your knowledge of, of, of the world and, and cultures and people around you. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, so I was born in New York and like my temperament for the most part is very much that of an East Coast boy, right? Most of my thoughts are that of an East Coast yeah, person. I, I would agree with that. I would, I would, I concur with that. Yeah. <laughs> but like <laughs> the, the first time I went down South. I was like, the fuck is this? Like, I, what is going on? It's a completely different ball game. Oh, and it is. It's two different worlds. <laughs> I heard the saying that in, in Texas that I will never forget. <laughs> it was this old, older <laughs> Southern white guy. And I forget, I forget what he, what we were even talking about, but I'll never forget what he said. He goes, you know, it's like watching your uh, it's like watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in the Cadillac. You got mixed feelings. And I'm like, what? That is so good. That is so good. I'll never forget that. I will never forget that. Like watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in a Cadillac. You got mixed uh, feelings. I that is so brilliant. That's brilliant. And, <laughs> and there's your chuckle for the day, ladies and gentlemen, right there. That oh is so God. great. That is so great. It was so, so the trip was amazing. I I hope my hope is, because I feel that I will go back. Kate and I will go back. Um, I hope that my daughter i hope that it has and i know it won't be for a while but the impact on my daughter will be you know of oh wow right look what we were fortunate enough to do and look what we saw and i've been there i told her i go you're going to be in a history class and they're going to talk about pompeii and you're going to go well you know when i was there yeah Right. Or somebody's going to bring up the Coliseum and you're going to go, you know, the Coliseum, that's not true because I was there and they blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm so sorry. The Coliseum is massive. (laughs) It is massive. It is massive. Yeah. I think that like we're talking. You think, oh, okay, the Coliseum. Yeah. Had gladiator fights. It was entertainment for Romans. No, no, no. We're talking like 
Think of a modern day like hockey arena, arena or like a football stadium. A football stadium. A football stadium, I think, is a good, um, a good comparison. And you have to remember when they built it. They built it in seventy two A.D. So it's not like they built it last year. That's what like we're talking about a structure, mind you, that's still standing. Yes, it is. And like it's amazingly so. Amazingly so. I didn't I did not know it was abandoned. Yeah. They totally abandoned it. They after um after Rome was when Rome was falling and the the Roman uh the city of Rome was shrinking uh, in population stuff, they just completely abandoned it. And they started taking the marble off the sides and from the insides to make other buildings. Yeah. So they were um and then I mean for I don't even know how long homeless people were living in it right they were living in the coliseum and um and we're not talking about like in 1900 we're talking for hundreds of years you know, yeah, thousands, yeah, yeah you know yeah. um and it wasn't uh and and so for a long time it sat abandoned can you imagine this huge oh, thing they just like ignored it they just like forgot about it and on top of that it's not like one football stadium it's like two football stadiums. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Like on top of each other. Yeah. And the and you're like, what? Yeah. And the they only had thing lions that... and just oh, chilling. absolutely. They had they that was one of the that was one of the things they did is that they would have hunters go out and they would bring these wild beasts from Africa and from India and such and release them, and that's what yeah. they did. They hunted the beasts, and sometimes the beast won, and sometimes the hunter won, and you know, you never know. And like, I truly I, wonder how how Romans brought an elephant from Africa to Rome. Like that's an impressive feat. Like you have to not only go to Africa. Just let's okay. It's seventy two. You and I, Jim. It's seventy two A.D. We're Romans. We're going to Africa. Let's go to Africa. How the fuck do we get there? <laughs> and how and how do we get an elephant back? Exactly. How do you get a wild animal the size of an elephant? And you need to know I love – I adore elephants. I adore them. I love them, love them, love them. Um, how, how, do you get, how do you get that beast back? How do you do that? It was, it was truly, um, truly breathtaking, and um, I am so thankful to have gotten to take that trip and so grateful to have been able to do it and goodness knows I'm going to be paying for it for a while. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was, it, it, it was worth every penny, every penny. Yeah. I, I, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. I would make the same decision again without, without that. question. I would make the same decision again. Cause it was that amazing. Um, I think your daughter will really have looking like when she looks back on her life, she'll have uh, a really surreal experience to be like, wow, I saw something like really cool. Really cool. She's already that way. So we got a book about the Coliseum and about the forum that shows like before and after it's like got flaps of what it looked like when it was, you know, in use. And then you open the flap and it shows what it is today. So it's like overlays. And she was going through that the other day and she got it. Yeah. She goes, she, first of all, she said, oh, now I understand why you got this book. Now I understand why you wanted it so badly. Yeah. Because it's, it's it, you know, it was a cheap book. It's not, you know, not anything special. Um, but I could tell she got it. 
Good. Right. I could tell that Good. she was like, oh, okay. Because she's a very visual person because of her hearing loss. And so uh-huh. she's hyper visual. And so all of a sudden things started lining up. Right. All of a sudden I could see little check boxes tick. She goes, I didn't I didn't hear her say that there were statues in those arches. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was one of the first things that she told us. And she, and our guide had a very heavy accent and it was really hard for Janine to understand um because of you know her hearing loss and her hearing aids and stuff and so it was really interesting to watch her all of a sudden put those pieces all those pieces little pieces together it's very cool it's very cool also when you're doing all of that it's information overload totally oh i told you i got we got not even halfway through the forum and i was done i was like i i can't i can't great this Uh, is the building this is where the vestal virgins lived awesome I better take a yeah. picture here so that I remember this because I will have no – I will not remember it otherwise. Um, no, that's incredible, man. I'm so happy that you – Yeah. It was, that you it and was, your family were able to do that. That's, that's the crazy – the crazy idea that I had last uh, last fall uh, turned out to be a wonderful idea, uh, and we really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And we didn't even talk about – we haven't even talked about Pompeii. That was an experience all unto its own. Um. Just all unto its – I mean that right there is reason to go. We're uh, sending this episode only to Italians. I'm telling you. you. <laughs> Shout out to Italians. Exactly, exactly. Um, and we're, there's going to be some editing on this episode too. I think we might, may have to edit it down a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's okay. That's all right. Or maybe I'll just put the whole thing out. You know, We're a long-form podcast anyway. So Absolutely, man. No, that's what it's all about. It's just us, just us chatting. Just us talking. We didn't really, we didn't really talk about social events, or we didn't have any. Uh, have you had a black moment? Uh, I've had several. Um, Anything I'll that you this. care to share? I'll say this. Um, <laughs> there, there's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a joke that uh, Chris Rock does. That um, he goes, there is a significant he's like there's a big difference between black people and niggas and black people can't stand niggas <laughs> and <laughs> i can totally hear chris rock doing that i totally hear him doing that and first off it is a highly accurate statement <laughs> like <laughs> there and and the thing the thing that I'll say is this, right? For people who may not understand, you know, like the black experience, right? I'm an old the, white guy. I don't really understand the black experience. So please explain. The, the idea of the word nigga now is yes, it is based in racism and, and racial inequality. Right. The major reason, the 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 focal reason that that black black people say you cannot say the word is because it's the first word that black people retook ownership of something that's right yeah that we have yeah. never when we were brought to this country we never owned anything and it was the first time where it's like no 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 we're creating a language that's our word it's a very that's much an ownership thing yeah that um, is, that's true i i did know that yes the the one thing i will say though is in over time it has become just a noun to describe a kind of person, whether they're black or not. Doesn't right? matter. Right. Yeah. It doesn't it's matter. It's a term to describe someone 
who can be annoying, who can be shock and awe, or could even be, <laughs> it could be a term of endearment. Like it's, it has a multitude of uses. Yeah. And the, the yeah. best thing that I love about, honestly, just being black today is that even though it sucks sometimes, <laughs> well, it's still the best time right now to be black. Yeah. That's a, that's a very true statement. Like, that's what I want people to Right now is the best time to be black. And I'm really happy that I was born. In America. This In America. Yes. That is I, very I true. Think, I think being black before America was probably pretty good. Yeah. On the I, continent? Don't you think on the African continent before? Let me tell you something. I, uh, I, I could be wrong. No, no, no. I don't disagree with you. So hear me out, right? Going... There's there's a different experience, I think, when you, as a black person going to Africa, right? Mm -hmm. You would be able, and I've never been to Africa. This is something that I'm assuming. You go to a place where literally everyone looks like you, and you're no longer a minority. A majority of black Americans and living in, in America, right, being black, you're constantly a minority or you're associated with other groups or peoples of color and things along those yeah. lines, right? There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. However, when you go to Africa, you're literally the majority. Everybody looks or has a similar experience to you. Maybe not a similar experience, but you're looking around. And when you see someone who's non-Black, that's the outlier. Right. And right. it is a completely different way of thinking where nobody looks at you funny. Right. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm normal here you know for right. lack of a better term yeah, yeah. and it's, it's really it's, it's a real thing it's really sad that that is even a thing it is it, it is, is sad. very and, sad and and i'm not saying i mean like obviously i'm white and privileged and um i mean i'm an old white guy that's the whole thing right is that i'm the old white guy <laughs> um you know but it does make me sad um and I don't know that's sad. Maybe sad. I don't know what word to use. It makes me upset. Um, that that division has been that that division was created and specifically created. It was not. It was not random. No. By any means, none of it was random, and um, it just. I just. It just. I have no words. Right. I can't imagine being you. Honestly, I can't put myself I can't put myself in your shoes. What I will say is this, right? Talking to people like you and people who understand that it's just a different life experience, right? Like I'll never know what it's like to be a woman. Right. Right. Like right. there are certain things that I'll just never know or never understand, right? Right. However, what I will say in particular about like being black, especially in this country, when people say that like racial inequality doesn't exist anymore, 
I'm sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that. No, 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 <laughs> it's no, no, just no. my initial it, reaction that day. It's a laughing matter. Like, it's like, are because, you kidding me? <laughs> because at that point, I'm insulting your intelligence. Like, like right. because there's even in schools, even in oh, schools. Don't get me started on Ron DeSantis. The the <laughs> racial disparity between a school and let's say a predominantly black neighborhood, and even if it's just from black to Spanish or Latino or Latinx, then to white, we're talking the education level is completely different. And education is supposed to be something available to every citizen in this country. But the quality of education, the quality of education is, it's baffling. Yeah. And like I've taught in these schools and I've, and I've gone to these schools and seen these schools. And now I look at like my parents and I'm like, I understand why you moved. Yeah. I get it. And I'm like, Oh, you wanted me to be a, a, a smarter person because you knew the school that I was at was not providing me with a, a good enough education for where you wanted me to be. Yeah. Isn't that sad? I find that I find it very sad. I, I, this is a whole other episode. We could talk about this, right? I mean, this is a whole, this is literally like 25 episodes probably between the two of us. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, I mean, you could just have a podcast literally just on this topic. Yes. Um, you know, uh, and every episode would be about the inequality. Um, and, uh, I, and we will talk more about that, I'm sure, as time goes on, because that's part of the purpose of this podcast is to talk about things, to be real, yeah. to talk about real things, not just the nice, shiny, I went to Italy stories, right? We want to talk about real right. life things. of course. Um, and you and I are able to do that with each other, which I love. Um, so, uh, but that's exactly, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. The disparity the discrepancy not the discrepancy is you know the difference is yeah shocking shocking i have a, you know one of my friends teaches out in uh in a suburban school and they just spent $65,000 on their spring musical that was their budget on a musical that was their budget high school that was their budget for the musical some companies don't even have that kind of money to put up a professional show. Oh, oh, oh I, I, exactly. Like a high, a high school musical. High school musical. $65,000 budget. She'd kill me for saying that, but it's, but that's what it is. I actually think we've talked about it on our podcast, but um, yeah, it's crazy. And, and she reminds her kids all the time how fortunate they are, how blessed yeah. and how grateful they should be. Um, she says, I could drive, I could drive you less than 30 minutes to a school that doesn't have enough money to even have a theater class. That, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. A, a music Can't program, even. a theater class, like that's any right. of that stuff. That's right. Um, so she's, she says she reminds them of that all the time. Isn't that, a, is that not the most amazing thing you've ever heard? $65,000? Like, I, oh my God. $65,000 is 
Okay, let me. I, I want to put this in perspective bet, for some people. Like, I bet that was not the budget when we did Ragtime. No, 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 no. There's no way that I was the budget. That. Yeah, no. no way. No, I. So, if I remember correctly, the poverty line or like the poverty number in 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 the United States, I think it's thirty five thousand dollars. I think that's around right. there. Around there, right? Rough, rough estimate. Um, right. $65,000 is significantly not only above the poverty line, but also it's a good like yearly salary for the average American. Oh, if yeah. $65,000 for life. Hey, a lot of people, you're doing really well. And like, we don't, kudos we forget to you. that. We forget that. But, but even, even more so. We're talking about a $65,000 budget on a musical, which is not, for, for even most schools, even a part of their core curriculum, which right. goes to show that means the school annual budget for just about everything, let's say the suburban school, right, is probably well over Ten million dollars. Oh, easy. Because easily. it's a high school. If they're doing that for a musical, that means they have every sport under the sun. That's right. That means they have lacrosse, wrestling. They probably have water polo. They've definitely got a swim team, a dive team, a track field. Everything. You don't have to. You don't have to go very far into Chicago to find schools that don't have any of that. And it's like you spend sixty five thousand dollars. To sing some songs. Now, don't get me wrong. That's great. Like, yeah, I would love to, to have that budget right, absolutely. to, to, to absolutely. put on a great show. And you can put on a fantastic production with that kind of money and resource. I am so glad that you said production. I'm so glad that that's, that was the term that you used. Doesn't mean it's just because it doesn't mean that it's going to be a great show. No. No, it does no. It, it does. Production was the right term. Like it's because we both. Hell, I've watched bad TV shows. Like where I'm like, this was a waste of my time. I shouldn't watch this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And can you imagine? I just want to be like an administrator, an investor. See, this is my MBA, my master's in business administration brain, coming on and being like, you spent sixty five thousand dollars. To sing some songs and do some doo-wop ditties. And on top of that, if the show is bad, I'm going to be like, what are we doing? And they're like, it's the experience. And I'm like, go outside. Play, play in the dirt, but don't waste my $65,000. What are we doing? Yeah, what are we doing here? It's true. It's so true. Yeah. And like... I love musicals. I, mean, think about, I love singing. Yeah, man, and think about what golly. you and I have got. I mean, you and I have both done shows that had very small budgets. Oh yeah, <laughs> bad. But think how much we accomplished. We're able to do with that small budget. Yeah. So give me sixty five thousand dollars, and I mean, it's going to be the Taj Mahal of high school musicals. <laughs> give give like any mid sized. Co professional company, a sixty-five thousand dollar budget. Can you for imagine? A show. 
Oh You're my gonna god! You're going to see a great show. Oh, like, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. You're going to be able to pay your actors more. You're going to be able to pay all of your tech more. You're going to be able to. Pay, I mean, I can't. I just can't imagine. No. Yeah. Well, listen. We probably should wrap it up because we've been going almost an hour and a half. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I awesome. know. We could. You and I could talk forever, though. So that's not. That's not really surprising. True. Very true. But honestly, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, Always. Always. I'm just glad that we get to do this, man. And I can't wait to tell I I'm going to be in only one small town in Italy. So I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to, you know, let let everyone know kind of what's going on and things yeah. along those lines as well, yeah. too. I can't wait to hear about it. But man, so travel or nah, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Talking about travel, it's the travel log show. Uh, hey, listen, if you want to get a hold of us, please feel free. Leave a comment. Um, you can uh, email me, jim at thegoofyguy.com. Um, you can go to thegoofyguy.com, uh, and you will can probably reach me there, too. Um, I'm on Mastodon, uh, social.lol. Um, I am not on Twitter, uh, but I am on Mastodon, and it's always the goofy guy. So uh, I know that, that sounds weird. Uh, but you know, I own goofy guy productions. So that's, that's there we go. There we go. I, I'm the goofy guy. So, uh, Hey, Wesley, how can they get a hold of you? If they want to get a hold of you, honestly, best way to reach out to me. Uh, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram. I am Wesley Anthony, uh, on Instagram or on any platform. Uh, I'll be honest. If you shoot me a message on Twitter, I rarely ever open it. I have that application open on my, I have it on my phone, but I can't even tell you the last time I ever opened that thing. Yeah. Um, I actually opened I actually opened it the other day because my daughter is writing a paper about Marley Matlin. And I reached out. I tweeted Marley Matlin to see if she could, would do an interview. <laughs> I didn't get a response. Yeah. But, you know, hey, you never know. Hey, right? <laughs> shoot your shot, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't hurt anybody, so. Yeah. Or you can reach me at literally just my name. I'm not even going to spell it out because it's too long and too bougie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can literally reach me at myname.com. It's not my name. It's literally my name, WesleyAnthonyClerget.com. All right. I'm so glad that we got to do this. And to all you smart people out there, all you smart motherfuckers out there, oh, this is why you turn oh, into two oh. guys talking shit. That's it's exactly been right. a blast. Hey, yes. Let's not do it. Let's not wait a month until next let's time. Let's not wait a month. I agree. Let's not wait a month. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Peace.